Welcome to Unsolicited Bridge Picks. I'm Brie Bills, and... I'm Charles. And we are uh, doing a new thing today. Actually, it's not a new thing for us. This is... This is what we do. What we do every day. All day, every day. It's called... Uh, we're calling it the... Uh, fire dumpster chat? What was it? No, 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 no. A D dumpster fireside chat. Dumpster fire side chat. So we're only talking about the dumpster, the trash... We are talking the about the smelling <laughs> refuse. The dumpster fire that is Vermont and Burlington politics. We're we're gonna edit out the K words that I use though, right? The K words. Mm -hmm. I just I just don't want uh, Ed Adrian calling me anti-Semitic, so we're gonna cut out the K word. Well, which K word? Who knows. This is, uh, this is exclusive for our Patreon supporters, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's punishment. We should, we should, the punishment we for paying make... is that you have to you have to listen to this we'll shit. We'll say it's exclusive, but it'll go to everyone. But they will, they'll feel special. Oh yeah. So uh, <laughs> the couple of topics that I that I've got kind of I don't know mm -hmm. bouncing around in the old noggin are of course the um, Jewgate. <laughs> The very well-aged conversation that we had with Ed Adrian. Yeah, Jew Is that appropriate? Can I say that? Or is that anti-Semitic? Can we get Ed on here? He can be our, uh, our anti-Semitic cow. <laughs> oh, there, there was a uh, uh, Twitter account called Anti-Semitism oh, Cow. My. Terrible, terrible Zionist account. Um, but they would moo whenever they decided something was anti-Semitic. That's great. I love it. Anyhow, so we've got that. Uh, I've got the, uh, you're trying to buy a house and uh, oh, Burlington having a luxury no housing boom. I find out about that. I don't want anyone to know that I'm becoming a, trying to become a homeowner. A landlording whore. Um, uh, uh, unstolen Abenaki land. I mean, you know. However, in, in my in my ground lease, when we eventually sell, uh, after we buy the home, it's going to say that whoever buys it has to uh, self-flagellate themselves at least eight times a day crying out no. to the Abenaki. Oh my God, Charles. I'm woke. What? <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> All right, um, so there's that. I don't that. understand the issue here. Other things that may be related to that, that uh, Vermont edition... Well, I mean, kind of related to our last episode, Vermont Edition had the uh, an episode recently about how small landlords have it hard with COVID. Um, and then there's also a kind of a thread about prisons. And, uh, you know, we've been talking a bit about some prison abolition stuff. Uh, of course, vaccinating prisoners has been on the forefront of a lot of conversation in the last kind, week or two. Kind of the only conversation around yeah well incarcerated the, vermonters which is kind of the problem that's not true because but, the, that because the senate also just passed that um expungement legislation that no that was a mistake that was a flu they didn't mean they didn't mean to pass it <laughs> anyhow so they uh, thought they were voting for the opposite and <laughs> you know how bills are sometimes they're written weird Yep. Uh, okay, fine. They did do that. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll give credit where credit is due. All right. So do we want to start 
talking about uh, the the KK Kunz poster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's. I mean, as the podcast so resident Jew, I think I have a legal obligation uh, <laughs> to the elders of Zion that I must discuss this. So essentially, uh, last week Ed Adrian, uh, former city councilor. Uh, I don't know how else to describe him. Internet yeah. troll, I guess. But, like, an internet troll that is not criticized by Joan Shannon. Um, I guess he found some posters around town with a photo of the mayor. Mm-hmm. And it said, three more years of killing poor people, hooray. And then underneath it, in very, very small print, it said, fuck you, KK cunts. Cunts with a K, obviously. Um, cunts, plural. And then it was signed by an angry N-word. I'm not going to say the word, but it was said full on out there. Yeah. And that, I think, was uh, really what triggered so many people, was actually seeing the N-word written out with the hard R. Uh, was too much. Too much for our fragile elected officials. Yeah, because we already know that, like... <laughs> <laughs> calling people America KKK or whatever, like that's not usually something that creates a big uproar. But I, ima- I, I imagine the word cunt too. Like whoever wrote it, and from what I've heard, it was written by a black man. Um, but whoever wrote it uh, was obviously trying to anger the two most important groups in Vermont uh, white women and white Jews. And let me tell you, you succeed. <laughs> um, yeah, so Ed Adrian posts, uh, Sincerely hope the media investigates these disgusting signs. It could be a hate crime. Stickers and flyers. So uh, the, what's unfortunate is the number of times that I tweet out there that someone should investigate something never happens. But Ed Adrian tweets out some dumb thing. And who decides to write an article about it? Friend of the pod. Grace Ellison. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyhow, and what, yeah. And what a piece it was, let me tell you. They talked to all of the offended, wealthy, powerful people in town. Well, I, I mean, honestly, this was, it was much better to get the scoop on Twitter. Because <laughs> it was just, it was brilliant. Um, at different points, uh, you know, Ed Adrian had said he wanted to uh, it to be investigated because if it if it was like a fake, then that person should be prosecuted. Um, yeah, the, the 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 man is horny for throwing people in jail. Yeah. it's unfortunate, and there's a lot there's a lot of people out there who are very into that, but it's like it's particularly strange that like this is his his horny jail hill you know like Joan Shannon's like she's all about like if you're homeless or if you like stole ten dollars out of her car like fucking jail but like at least there's like you know that's pretty typical but Ed is all about uh if you're an anti-semite <laughs> you should go to jail that's <laughs> that's how it works yeah. I mean I I enjoyed this poster to a certain extent um, 
just because of the uh, the bold message, right? The big the big message was three more years of of killing the poor, right? And uh, and in a racialized uh, targeting of killing the poor, right? But yeah, I mean, like it's a clear message that this is there's there's classism interwoven with white supremacy here. Yes. Like that's the message. And the message and that is the that mayor the mayor is there. He's the top of that. He's he's <laughs> upholding that and yes. and promoting those interests, right? Um which is why it was not addressed to a singular, right? It was KK cunts with an S, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um talking about the ruling white supremacist class. Like yeah. it seems I mean I don't I don't know this person who who wrote these can't speak for neither them. Do, neither do I. Um, Just a rumor. But I, uh, I liked seeing this because uh, the day that Moreau was elected, our podcast tweeted out. It was me, by the way. Uh, tweeted. Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, no, no! Cut that. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> tweeted out, friends. Uh, Moreau has told Charles that he will not quote be lectured by him that he doesn't care about poor people. Who will pledge with me today to lecture the mayor for the next three years about how he does not care about poor people? Yeah, and that that person uh, chose to take on the mantle. Take on the mantle. He said it far better than I ever could. Really, honestly. It was great because... Mostly because I cannot use the N-word. Uh, and like mine, I would, I would use other K-words, which would make me a person non gratis in the uh, synagogue community around here so <laughs> oh lord and to my word i am allowed to use it that doesn't mean i will be appreciated in those spaces after using um <clears throat> all right <laughs> uh yeah words have impact so that it was it was uh ed adrian got for some reason into the trenches wanting to hear a recording of this conversation that we had with Moreau, which of course Charles has the recording of conversations that I got the receipts. Moreau. Like, do you know who you're talking to, Ed? <laughs> um, anyhow, so that was an interesting back and forth. Uh, and uh, oh, I was gonna say, what I find interesting about this was uh, what Ed and uh, City Councilor Karen Paul, what they were trying to do was shift the conversation, right? Because the original message was clearly about Moreau and how his administration treats poor people and people of color. And there is so much documented evidence about how he does that. And yet they then made it all about themselves. And they they centered themselves and their own whiteness and about how we need to stop this hateful language. And, you know, Karen Karen Paul talked about... Burlington has become so toxic. Right? Like, Burlington wasn't toxic when the Melly brothers were beaten by cops or Douglas Kilburn was punched to death by a cop or... No, that wasn't toxic. Or our police chief was <laughs> trolling and and targeting and his people chief, on anonymous accounts. Who had multiple accounts. <laughs> and let's not get ourselves probably the current chief, if we're being honest. I bet he had some accounts he hastily deleted. But the point is, like, the idea that that is what's toxic. It's like, man, look in a fucking mirror. Just, just like ghouls, like ghouls, ghouls. You, you go into the dumpster fire. Is that how we do this? We like tell people you're in the fire. 
Yeah. No, the idea that the expressions of very justified anger from people representing oppressed populations is we're not toxic. even representing them, just being a part of them. Good point. And, and we're not even getting into like the whole uh, which uh, the Democrats, the mayor, and uh, all the Democrats on council, including Ed Adrian, who's not on council anymore, but is annoying enough. Maybe he should be. Um, <laughs> what they've done throughout the entire summer and winter, or fall and winter, and now they keep trying to police uh, the limits of freedom of speech and first amendment rights and they keep trying to uh essentially get people in trouble for exercising those first amendment rights i mean that's what joan shannon did when she literally called the cops on people who prank called her well i mean and of course joan shannon like it's so interesting to contrast i mean as we mentioned in one of our recent episodes like contrasting the language that she used the first thing she said was that uh, Just Cause is going to make all the landlords cucks. No, Charles! She said that! She said that! I know you don't like the word, but that is literally what she was saying. She, What she said was, if you are a landlord and your girlfriend or partner or whatever cheats on you oh, with their God tenant, you can't evict them. Yeah, that is literally... God damn it. Like the incel fascist cuck sort of community. That is an argument they love to make. And she got what sixty three. She got sixty three percent of the vote in the South End. That's that's not toxic. That language yeah, is not yeah. toxic because she's not <laughs> dropping any racially charged language. It's all in this it's very. It's dog whistles. It's dog whistles. It's not racially charged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, anyhow, but uh, yeah. So toxic is is one thing. Just like stop I, calling I just... shit toxic because you be. Britney did it. Britney? Yeah, not the Britney Spears kind of toxic. The bad kind of toxic. Um. <laughs> well, also, it's, it's, just, it's fascinating to me after uh, Del Pozo and uh, the other deputy trolled me, like, Joan Shannon and others were like, we need to give him a second chance. Like, we really got to give him the benefit of the doubt. And it's just like, what the fuck? Could I call the cops on him? Like, what what could I do there that is... I mean, I never would, because that's not how I would do it. But it's just, like, it's so clear who has the power in these relationships and how police are used. Well, and it's it's clear that what they're trying to do is not only control the conversation, but control how the conversation is spoken. Like, control yes. the language that is used to have the conversation. Um, and yep. part of that is, like, we we know that the language that you use is there's a pretty intricate relationship with the way that you use language and the way that you form thoughts. And there's this, mm. this, um, Noam Chomsky is up in here. <laughs> some Noam Chomsky, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so if you're thinking, if you can, if you can think something that that's that unfettered in your language. Right. Well, in, in, I mean, I'm just thinking about toxic. Like, when she called protesters terrorists, essentially, she said they were terrorizing the mayor and then terrorizing, quote-unquote, children on her street by standing outside in a public park and chanting things. Being a, <laughs> being protesters? That that's toxic. Right. Which is, yeah. It's not, yeah. Her, her calling uh, 
people exercising their First Amendment rights terrorizing. That is, that is not toxic. Uh, but exercising your First Amendment rights, that is toxic. Yeah. I mean, it was also funny just like, Different people coming to the the mayor's defense being like, how can people even say this? He, you know, has built housing and he is housing homeless people and da 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 da. Um, <laughs> and some of those conversations are hilarious that we like, we didn't even touch. Uh, this guy, Lentil Mentalist, is like, he's vetoed just about every social justice action. Like, the only thing he has vetoed are social justice actions and uh, ranked choice voting. Like, those are his only vetoes. And when he hasn't vetoed, he's put incredible amounts of pressure to water things down so much that it, it essentially is a veto, but not in name. Uh, yeah, so for example, uh, he has not wanted to uh, defund the police in any way. He has not wanted to uh, lose officers through attrition. And... Uh, is that connected to any news story this week? Um, wow. I need to... <sighs> Let me, I'm trying to think real hard here. <laughs> yes, there is one. There is one. And it's about how Mayor Weinberger is uh, not racist. <laughs> so at the beginning of this week. Time is an illusion. <laughs> Beginning of this week, uh, Weinberger came out with a decision that he had made that he was going to be removing. I'm trying to think of the, the good way to, to word this. They're doing studies to slow down. Yeah, they're doing studies to slow down any actual meaningful reforms. And the person who was supposed to be in charge. Of losing, of shrinking our police right. force attrition and then maybe funding some uh, social worker adjacent which is still just cops in another name but that's a whole other issue like if they come out of the police department they are cops if you are uh right. you work for the city and you are a meter maid you are a cop so and not only are you a cop i've seen you uh as a couple of you write very positive things on the police facebook page and really supporting your boys in blue, so not helping yourselves out there. <laughs> oh, so yeah, the the that's police the one thing where Hike and I assessed. agree. Hike and I, Hike Pedrosi and I agree. Abolish meter cops. Okay, sorry, go on. <laughs> so so yeah, there, there's going to be an assessment done of the Burlington Police Department, and the uh, the. Director of Racial Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging, Tyestia Green, was put at the head, or not at the head, rather. She was just overseeing this um, this assessment. It, it, it is important, I want to jump in here, that when the mayor over the summer agreed to do, or not even agreed, decided to do this, like, uh, police transformation task force, he hired Kyle Dodson of the YMCA as his director, right? So we already have one instance of the mayor uh, choosing not to have the person who was literally hired for this job, a woman of color, yeah. and instead choosing someone who is uh, politically aligned, conservative and aligned with him, right? Yeah. So uh, 
yeah, again, literally this person's job. It's literally Green's job to <laughs> to be working with the, the city on issues of uh, racial equity. And that's at the heart of what we, we've been talking about, what we've been reckoning with in our city is a racial equity issue with when we're talking about police no, no, no. policing. Get real. We're, we're dumb. Um, it's really, she was just hired to make sure that half our cops are black. Oh God. And women, right. right? That, I mean, I mean, I'm half joking, but I'm also serious. Like that's, that's really what she was hired for. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, Del Pozo has said it, Murad, Moreau. They love being like, if we just get more. It's an optics shit. And then he screwed up on optics. Like, this is yeah. the thing that's fucked up. That doesn't make sense. Okay, so you replace this this woman who, like, it's her literal job to do this with a white dude who has no experience in any of this and is the head of Burlington Electric. Yep. So, uh, Darren Springer. I Darren was talking Springer. to uh, Pit Fiend about this and, and some others, and he had a theory that I'd never considered, right? Because I don't ever think of the mayor as being particularly politically smart because it, he seems to bumble a lot and he's not a good public speaker and he just kind of comes across as a, a self-righteous douchebag. That being said, uh, what Pitfin was pointing out was that it seemed like this was a way for the mayor to test internal uh, alliances and allegiances. It's early enough in his new uh, term where everyone's going to forget about this in three months, if that. He gets to try to replace this this person with someone who's clearly uh, one of his allies and is very closely aligned with him. Mm-hmm. And he now gets to see the fallout and who is his uh, friend in the future and ally and who is not. Because the man's racist. Like, if that was ever a question, I hope... This at, at least at this point, you've come to the understanding that yeah, he's very racist. <laughs> yeah, Kaya Morris pointed out that he knew exactly what he was doing and that, that he already had this planned before the like before he was elected, yeah. right? And so that's the best part is that that happened. He got a ton of flack for it. He apologized. And then, friend of the pod, uh, Grace Ellison, along with friend of the pod, but for real, Katya Schwenk, um, wrote an article where they talked to a bunch of black Burlington residents and people who are very uh, involved in local Burlington politics. And every single one of them talked about how they had told the mayor weeks before. Mark Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> even uh, even uh, the mayor's own treasurer, which that's its own weird thing. Matt, uh, yeah, C.D. Madison, yeah. which is like, it's weird to me that you were going to run against the mayor and then decided to be his treasurer because he's the best person. Like, at a certain <laughs> point, if you were to run against him, don't then be his treasurer. Obviously, you don't have that much of a difference. Um, but I guess in this situation, when the mayor crossed the uh, liberal no-no line, but yeah, 
It's just, it's just yeah. hilarious to me. It's so hilarious. we go from, this is, this is great. We go from a week ago, because it was, I think it was last, it was last Tuesday that we were having this conversation with Ed. Yeah. Right? And then literally a week later, the Twitter storm is about, is about yeah. this decision. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, Kesha Ram, of course, had sponsor a whole, of the pod. Uh, commentary piece. This this podcast <laughs> is uh, sponsored by Kesha Ram Brought and Jacob by... Hinsdale of the Hinsdale Family Fortune. She uh, calls everybody's attention to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s words in Letter uh, Doctor Reverend, show some respect. I just call him Dr. Junior, and I was trying not to do that. All of my friends know I call him Dr. Junior. It was bad. I used to do that out of, like, my obsessive love mm-hmm. with him, for him. Uh, but then somebody pointed out to me, like, within the last two years that it actually sounds really demeaning. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, little junior doctor. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I guess I will not do that anyway. Anyhow, um... But yeah, saying that, I mean, he has numerous quotes about white moderates that are fucking on point and are the reason that I became a teacher to, of preschoolers rather than a professor, like, contributed to that. Because I was like, I'm not going to teach about a bunch of fucking white moderates <laughs> in college classes. I'm going to raise a bunch of... Anyhow, uh, <laughs> political agendas and teachers, you're right. <laughs> My stepfather is yeah, right. We all have commies. political agendas. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I meant. <laughs> we all just have just political agendas. Right. Anyhow, so Kesha Ram, a week later, draws a parallel between Moreau's actions here and the KKK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> To paraphrase these... that quote, it's uh, unless you have it right up there. Or you know uh, it by heart, since you are the Dr. Junior expert. I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. Uh, no, it says, I've almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted, sorry, who is more devoted to order than to justice. Son of a bitch. What? You're more devoted to not having people call you KK cunts than to actually seeking justice, which is the message behind that, those words. Wait, Senator Ram said that? Yes, Senator Ram, those are, those are her words. She wrote that when she was incarcerated for civil rights protests. No, but she quoted it. Um, she didn't, she didn't quote it directly. They're not going to put in Negro into a commentary who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, ready for this, prison abolitionists, wannabes, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods or direct action. And this, going back to what I said earlier, like, this is the classic thing. Prison abolition, who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom. Once again... I don't think any politician should ever be allowed to to quote MLK Jr. because every single one of them is guilty of this. You you cannot be a politician yeah. and not be guilty of that. Like, yeah, great, Senator Ram, when you uh, marry into that 
local landlord family. I cannot wait for you to give away your extra houses to uh, low-income people because you are so committed to justice and not building wealth off of uh, workers. I just love the irony. Too many levels of irony. Of I of of her drawing a parallel between Moreau and and like being like the white moderate being worse than the KKK. Right. She is Jewish, so once again, she can use the K word, and frankly, I'm a little offended she didn't. <laughs> Sorry. What's the point of having an identity if you're not going to cynically use it and weaponize it to call your opponents slurs? I don't know. Anyhow, Kaya Morris is calling for Weinberger to do a resign burger. <laughs> Bringing it back, Charles. Which, um, that is far more uh, impactful of a demand than finger-wagging. Oh, Mr. Mayor, you gotta do better. You know what, though? But this is the, th- this is the fucked up racist. thing. Like, we know he holds white men in power as the beacon of neutrality we already know that because of whose voices he listens Mm. to whose voices he allows to be most prevalent on the issues of police reform which are not true john murad that's not true he loves using his children uh, of color as uh literal not literal but as metaphorical he is not shields using their voices no no to no, inform no. he his loves using policy. them as shields for when anyone calls him out he goes well i'm very concerned about them I, I i don't want them to grow up in a racist society or grow up in a place where they could be abused by police and then when the cops pepper spray a six-year-old child of color says well they did what they had to and it was actually okay that they did it nothing wrong anyhow when we're all on twitter being like maybe you don't like the fact that this person dropped the end end bomb and plastered it all over our city for all the children to see like maybe you don't like that but guess what it's well support like his anger that his anger is justified right mm-hmm but then, like, a week later, when Moreau does this thing that's, like, so blatantly, like, I don't think he, I mean, I don't think he could be that bumbling. Like, there's no way that's, like, a mistake that he didn't think about the optics of it. Exactly. And I think that's where, where it comes for what Pitchfine was saying. Right? Where, where what he's saying is that this wasn't an accident. This wasn't bumbling. This wasn't a mistake. This was a calculated move to test the waters, to see how much power he still had after his election, and to see who within his own administration would back him up or within the party would back him up when he chose uh, to express his power. And and here's another thing. Like, I don't know if this was part of the conversation. Like, I don't know if people were already talking about, like, oh, well, Green's not going to be able to be neutral in this. Was that part of the discussion? Because if it was not, he just injected that into the discussion of whether or not this Black woman, who is whose job it is to, to t- tackle these kinds of problems, is qualified to be impartial enough or well, neutral enough? More importantly, they're both employees of the mayor and serve at the mayor's behest. Neither of them are impartial. 
Like, the idea that any of them are impartial is itself a hilarious uh, liberal farce that that's, you can be impartial <laughs> when your boss tells you to do something. <laughs> um, so, we can't get into the conversation that we want to because Gabrielle said I can't. However, there's a great Seven Days article from 2018 by uh, Kimelia Sari called Adoptees and Parents Reflect on Transracial Adoption in Vermont. Um, I suggest you read that and maybe consider what the mayor has or has not done uh, that other families of transracial adoption, I don't know the word, other families that adopted, white families that adopted black children, uh, how they've been reflecting on what they've done and maybe how they've raised their children. And uh, I'll leave it at that. All right. Um, anyhow, so that was that. That was super fun. Um, but yeah, very real, very rampant anti-Semitism is the problem. That's actually the biggest problem we face, That's not just in Burlington, not just in Vermont, not just in America, not just in the world, in, in the universe. There's a lot of anti-Semitic aliens out there. That we just haven't met yet. So, uh, fuck. Mm-hmm. It's really, really expensive to live in Vermont. And it's really fucking mm. expensive to buy a house. And it's only getting more expensive. And some people are celebrating this. Ooh, what types of people? Well, for example, Vermont is the number one place in the country uh, for equity-rich mortgage holders. I'm sorry, what? What was that phrase you used? Equity rich. Which, what? It's just a horrific phrase. <laughs> what a terrible it is, it way to really describe s- anything. Oh, my two kids, they're, they're very equity rich. Yeah, last month, Vermont Business Magazine pointed out that Vermont has the highest percent of equity rich homes in the nation um, at 47.8%, uh, which means that uh, f- that, that percentage of Vermonters with a mortgage have more in equity right. than they do yes. in loans. Because housing prices have gone up by like thirty percent in a year or something. So, so unless so unless you somehow like built three new additions onto your house, it's going to be pretty hard to eat into that new equity. Yeah. No, it was it was twenty three percent just from September twenty nineteen to November twenty ten. No, twenty twenty. Sorry, twenty twenty. <laughs> You don't you don't know how my time flows, okay? What? I don't. Um, last sex. week's issue of Hometown, everyone's favorite, Kindling, uh, had an article, and I did not read it. I promptly threw it away, but unfortunately, my eyes uh, grazed the front cover of Hometown before I could dispose of it, and it said Burlington luxury real estate may get hotter. Hat. City on National Report of Markets to Watch. The world might be falling apart, but Vermont's real estate market is blazing hot, said Burlington Free Press on January 15th of this year. My God. <laughs> it's, Damn. It's bad. You know, what a great lead for the, what, 200 Vermonters who have died from COVID and the families that have uh, had to deal with those aftermath. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking shit. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing, like, we've already talked about this in our last episode, right? This is not, it's it's not new. And it's not localized. But it is pretty significant 
that like the in just a year the medium price the median price of a home has gone from like what was it like 320 to like 355 four. or something yeah um yeah maybe i should actually have the numbers in fucking fun of me no but, whatever this uh, is a this is a dumpster fire chat. it is we a dumpster that. fire <laughs> We're not looking. But yeah, here's here's this uh, some reporting from Vermont Digger. I think this uh, it says a lot of the recent surge in activity involves the high end of the market. Twice as many homes priced at five hundred thousand or more more sold last month than a year ago. But yeah, it uh, fucks over anybody who's like a first time home buyer, or anybody of moderate means, or or anyone who chose to uh, stay in the area after maybe they graduated college and got the wonderful Vermont wages, because Vermont is one of the most expensive states to live in, uh, because our wages are so low compared to our cost of living and housing costs. So um, what you should have done was moved away to a major city, get a nice job where you get six figures, which doesn't I mean, it it could get you a nice apartment in that city, but it'd be hard to buy too much there. And then move to a place where your half a million to a million dollars can buy you whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I I mean... No names, my brother. (laughs) I... Love you. Love you, bro. When I graduated from my master's in 2012, right, and I had a job offer. So this is almost 10 years ago. And I had a job offer in Boston Public Schools where I would be teaching. Yeah, you made the mistake of going into public teaching, though. Like, you're never, you were never going to be rich that way. You'd have to quit, uh, start your own charter school, maybe run a magnet school like, like Kyle Dodson did. Uh... But anyhow, <laughs> what I was going to say is, like, I would have been making over 60000 my first year and could have paid off my college loans that same year which would have been entertaining so why didn't you do that because i got married and went to another country and that was a fucking stupid thing and then i was an uh, an undoc i was on i was working illegally for a year because paperwork and shit and then i was teaching and was making the same amount of money that i was making when i started teaching at burlington children's space living the dream Coming back to my six figures. Coming back to my beloved neighborhood of birth, the old North End, and getting priced the fuck out. And seeing how bougie it became. <laughs> I could not buy anything there. I'd rather talk about bike lanes all day, every day, than talk about homes, uh, buying a home. Um, however, if you are have been living in the area for like a decade and you aren't married to or in a relationship with someone who, you know, maybe is a seventh generation landlord or has their own trust, uh, or you don't, you aren't like a CEO of something, you're not going to be able to fucking afford to live in Burlington anymore. Or I mean, no, Winooski. just like... There's some, part, some parts of Colchester, but mostly Milton. If you look on Zillow, it's like, you look at the homes that are under 300,000. It's all Milton now. Milton is the way of the future. St. Albans is hot. Yeah, these I don't days. look that far. That's like where people are going all the way up there. Uh, Milton, yeah, the, the, the funny thing about Milton, if you are from here, fucking nobody wants to buy in Milton because all of the classist memes from your childhood, it's all anti-Milton classist well, it's, jokes. It's, it's only all gotten 
stronger, I guess, as uh, all of the low-income people from Burlington and everywhere else in Shipman County have been priced out, and there's nowhere left for them to live, really. Um, you know, if they don't have a Section 8 voucher and aren't renting from Champlain Housing Trust or, like, one of the housing authorities, the only place they have left is Milton. And so it's not gotten better. What I, what I like about Milton uh, is that the people who live in Milton who are wealthy, who send their kids to the public school, regularly vote down their school budgets. And then they just complain about how bad the schools are. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck do you expect? Like, so many of those classrooms need multiple paras and, and maybe have one. And then, like, the wealthy families get all pissy about it. And it's like, well, yeah, it, it costs money. But hey, you can always buy in Burlington on the hill section for $700,000, dollars $800,000. Uh, That's sounds like a bargain. Did you see any? Well, a plot of land. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear about that. It's just a plot of land. Remember when we were, I mean, like, six years ago, remember there was, like, this tiny little sliver of, of a lot that was, like, on the mm -hmm. side of a hill over <laughs> at the oh, end of Oh, North that's still Street. for sale. It still is? I, I fucking bet it. On Depot? Yeah, on Depot Street? Yeah, yeah, no, that one's still for sale for, like, 150000 or something. Um, three, or 0.34 acres of land on South Willard Street for $325,000. This is just just a plot of land, not anything being built there. And don't you worry, because of the mayor and his neighbors, uh, that neighborhood is zoned for single-family residents only. only. <laughs> well, that's the other thing that, like... So, even if you wanted to buy it and do, quote-unquote, infill development and have it be more... Uh, you can't, yeah. because that's against the law. The beauty of gentrification, like, in the Old North End, that was... Uh, you know, like for me, my, my dream of like wanting to go back there and like teach preschool and like have be legitimate because I'm a white woman teaching. And so I was like, well, Hell I gotta yeah. at least be somewhere where I've like can connect to the community. Um, anyhow, I think that's heartbreaking. As a feminist, I <laughs> the agree. The thing that's heartbreaking is like, I like house after house where like, You'd go and there would be these run-down, shitty houses. And they were mm -hmm. so expensive and marketed to developers. Just, like, straight up. Yeah. Bill Bissonette bought, like, half of them. Yeah, straight up just just been like, hey, you can flip this house. And um, I saw someone on Twitter today posted a one-bedroom at 38 Wright Avenue. Uh, I think it's in the south end by the water because it's got lake views. How much do you think this one bedroom would cost? Uh, sixteen fifty. Two thousand two hundred fifty dollars a month. Jesus fucking Christ! Right, that's twenty-seven thousand dollars a year. It's affordable if you're making at least ninety grand a year. Here's the best part: is I did a little bit of research, and it was bought in January of this year for one point five million dollars. It was bought by 38 Wright LLC, which is connected to Two Cedars LLC, which is connected to Russ Scully of The Spot and a donor to the mayor. 
and trying to uh, gentrify the waterfront near Joan Shannon's house so that we can have uh, a, a tech incubator space. Because that's what Burlington needs the most. In Russ's defense, uh, at the spot, he often hires people who are uh, previously incarcerated. And that is a great way for him to relieve his own guilt. In Russ's defense, about a year and a half ago, he got charged uh, for stealing uh, $100,000 or so from his employees. And let me tell you, it is very hard to actually uh, prove a case like that. And he uh, had to give them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Stealing in what way? Uh, like uh, either making them work and not paying them or having uh, children work more than they are legally allowed to. You know, just just fun games. Fun, fun capitalism stuff. But you know the uh, the whole issue of hiring formerly incarcerated people might not be oh, shit. as it much of a of of a, as much. an opportunity <laughs> for him to uh, pat himself on the back because of the expungement legislation that just made its way through the Senate mm-hmm. uh, unanimously. That- and you know, unanimously, importantly. You know something is always good when it's unanimous. When our three-party system all agrees, this is great. That's the sign of good policy. It's a sign of something, yeah. <laughs> uh, where's the... So this legislation will create a path for people with nonviolent offenses. Is it, ju- is it just nonviolent? To... I thought it included violent offenses but yeah it would include things like grand larceny or burglary of an unoccupied dwelling but it would not include offenses like sexual assault murder robbery or domestic violence which is which is fascinating because you know if i live in a shithole and my landlord doesn't fix it and i get lead poisoning that's not technically violence anyhow (laughs) so (laughs) the good the bad the ugly should we do Sorry, not le- not legally violence. It might be technically violence, but it is not a legal form of violence. Exactly. Uh, it's gr- it's great how the state decides what is considered violence and what isn't, and how it always happens to be uh, towards a certain class. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that goes without saying. The good, the bad, the ugly about this bill is. Uh, do we do we do that? The good. I mean, it is going to. It is going to help people uh not continue to be punished by having a record after not having any recidivism for a five-year period for certain crimes my family will benefit from this i appreciate that i i know that for people who are in i mean if you're if you're walking around with a record it is a huge weight on you and it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people we we will talk about prison reform at some point in the future uh it's it's you know people have been talking about it lately because of this bill and because of course um phil scott's willingness to not treat incarcerated human beings as human beings when it comes to covid by not vaccinating when it comes to covid because they're also not treated as human beings every day in most seconds of every day. But 
yeah, the bad part of this bill is that... There's a little me on your shoulder right now for this part, just whispering in your ear. I mean, no, that's for the ugly. There's another version of me without the horns, the Jew horns, who is the ugly one that is on your other shoulder. The, the bad part is, so it's not automatic expungement, mm-hmm. which my, next legislative session is going to be introduced as a bill, You know, I what's guess. more fun than slowly um, over the course of three decades uh, squeezing water from a, a stone? It's fun. That sounds great. I'm excited. Why couldn't this just be in the original bill? Oh, because it wouldn't have passed unanimously? Weird. Okay, um, the, the hesitancy is I'm trying to separate the bad from the ugly right now. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. So I guess, like, if I want to just say the bad is, like, of course, it doesn't go far enough, right? As a, as a reform, like... Well, I'd also say the bad, too, is, like, it's not clear what the end goal is, right? Right. If you're going to be someone who is, is supporting reform, their reform needs to be towards a clear end goal. And if that clear end goal is abolishing prisons or if that clear end goal is uh, stopping or limiting discrimination, then there's a long, long way to go. And it's not clear how we're going to get there by lobbying. And of course, a lot of these like nonviolent offenses, this doesn't do anything to address the underlying causes for these offenses or like the preventive aspect of it, right? Like... This is a top-down way of, like, after people have already been abused and exploited and devastated through, the like, their interactions with the carceral system and the carceral state, then saying, okay, well, here's one aspect. Like, at least you won't have this paper trail following right. you. Right. It's very, it's very reactionary. It doesn't do anything to address, like, the, like, a lot of the material needs and, like, the poverty or... Mm-hmm. Uh, trauma and untreated uh, health concerns that lead to those kinds of criminal offenses. It, it doesn't even um, offer uh, uh, legal support for people who want to expunge their record. Right. The, the thing, the thing, the ugly thing about this is that a lot of times reform like this can't fundamentally challenge the carceral state and it, further can entrench us in it. Yes, it does. Like that's what this does is it, it legitimizes uh, the carceral state by, by, Putting your reform on such a narrow view, you are in a lot of ways accepting and acknowledging and implicitly supporting uh, how the carceral state exists. Like, the, even the fact that yeah. there is a cutout for violence. Like, if you grew up and spent your whole life in a violent system that did not c- care or support your basic needs, like, you're gonna end up reacting at some point in a violent manner. But someone like that is now going to be punished for that, you know, as, as opposed to recognizing how it's a societal issue, we're, we're putting that on the individual. And so that is also the ugly. Right. Is that it's, I mean, not, it's, it's not blanketed. It's you have to go through the work yourself. You have to meet certain criteria, blah, blah, blah. As right. And the framing saying, of this. You do your time, fr- you're done. Exactly. The framing of this is these people have already served their time. They've already... They've already been punished for this crime. Why do we keep punishing them? As opposed to challenging fundamentally that mentality of punishing somebody for burglary in this very devastating and like, I mean, so, I mean, uh, yeah. Who's going to steal during COVID? Yeah. And so so here's the thing. One, one strong advocate 
of this bill described this as just stopping the bleeding, right? It doesn't do anything to fix the fact that the carceral state, those in power, are waiting with knife in hand to continue to slash people to bits. It's like while you're getting stabbed over and over again, you take out a bandage and start bandaging one of the stab wounds. Like you're like, here's a here's a tourniquet. It's (laughs) it's uh, commendable. I get it, but. Is it enough to keep people from bleeding out? Who knows? Some people maybe. But the thing is, like, the thing is, for for me, what I've personally seen with, like, loved ones going through the carceral system. So you're taking somebody with severe trauma and then traumatizing them over and over again. There's been a lot of focus on, like, women's prisons, specifically in Vermont right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And and with with good reason... Mm -hmm. um, you know, like my my sister's experience is like somebody somebody who has a history of yeah, like sexual yeah. trauma and those kinds of things, and the way that you're fucking manhandled by cops or like by hospitals that are supposed to be helping you, and then fucking call in a ton of male cops, even though that your family is there saying this person ha- is like severely traumatized, like has severe PTSD and cannot mm. deal with mm. male nurses, cannot deal with, and then you call mm. in fucking male cops, like. Mm. What the fuck? I mean, are you calling you female that... cops who beat you anyway? So, <laughs> but it, but but it does make a difference for somebody who has PTSD sure. around yes. these things. Like, it does yes. make a difference, right? Yes. Uh, but like, there's no interest in treating anybody with uh, like a smidge of humanity. But after after a decade of those kinds of encounters, which is like what I have seen in my personal life, you have a decade of those kinds of incredibly traumatizing encounters, and then you've been struggling to get yourself out of that system and you can finally get to the point where your records are expunged that doesn't fucking do anything it also like, no no no, no. I, I, great like I think if you you're right. great now i now i can not have this if i if i'm applying for a job that doesn't mean that it resolves all the fucking trauma that you're gonna have to deal with like yeah, yeah. i don't know it's a weight off of the shoulders like to have your record totally. expunged it's a weight off your shoulders like yeah but it fucking doesn't do it. I mean, ma- whatever. Ma- ma- materially, the difference is you can get a $13 an hour job versus an $11 an hour job. And you can get a uh, $1,000 a month apartment as opposed to a $800 a month apartment. Like, it, it's just... Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, thing, the, the thing with us is like, so you'll hear, this is, yes, like, we will acknowledge this is going to do people good. Like, we'll acknowledge that. You're not going to hear us say it doesn't go far enough because it fucking is right. not reformable. Right. And that that is the 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 issue is that what are you reforming and what is your your end goal, right? There's reforms that exist that lead to abolition and there are reforms that are there for the sake of reforms and this very much seems like a reform that's there for the sake of reform. Which is why it has unanimous support. At some point we will be We'll have we'll be doing something on prison reform. Oh uh, yeah, but... I was gonna say the other thing too is like the focus has been on on abolishing the women's prison, which I think is an important start and is one of those reforms that is a a, a reform towards abolition. There's like a weird siloing of it, I guess. Like the idea that men who are incarcerated don't have families and partners and children and. <laughs> Like, it's just like there's there's almost kind of this 
paternalistic paternalistic sexist logic, right? Like, well, we need the women to not be in jail because, you know, then the state's got to care for the kids. But if, if we can get these women out of jail, then they can watch their own kids and it's their responsibility. And we're not going to get into the whole fucking DCF system, but like that feels, and I'm not saying that's like the people who are, are organizing it, but I think that is a, something to, to watch out for, particularly in a broader society. If, if, your goal of abolition is getting as many normies on board as possible. Because <laughs> um, it is, right? Like, why, you know, my initial question, like, why just the women's prison? Why not all prisons? And start, you could start with the women's prison, but make it clear your goal is all prisons and not your goal is just the women's prison, right? Like, it's just, it's just that framing that is just very, doesn't make sense to me. But neither does incrementalism, though. So. Yeah, well, a lot of things don't make sense to me because I'm a, I'm a dummy. Oh, that was another interesting thing in the last two weeks. That citations. Oh yes, yes. Citations needed podcast. But we don't we don't have time for that. We need to do a whole episode on Garrett because his background and his history. His love letters to the FBI. Yeah, Garrett is in. Uh, we didn't even talk about Molly Gray and how she's clearly going to be running for, for oh, that's federal right, office. Yeah. But, like, Molly, Garrett, going back to what, just before we, we leave here, going back to what I was saying before about how if you stayed here, you got punished for, for staying in Vermont because the wages suck and you end up having to give, like, half your income to your landlord anyway. Molly and Garrett are, like, the perfect examples of people who grew up in Vermont, are from Vermont, moved away for, a, like, a decade plus and then came back with all their wealth and the quote-unquote social capital and connections and were able to now live very, very comfortable and powerful and successful lives. So so there you go, lovely uh, bridge lovers. K-words? <laughs> what did you say? I said K-words. Lovely K-words. What did you say? Yes, all the kindness and kittens and... Kool-Aid. You're also kitsch. And <laughs> Our listeners are very kitschy. Um, oh, you're listening to VPR. So thank you for joining us for this dumpster fireside chat. And thank you for joining us in the trenches of the dumpster fires on Twitter at UnsolicitedVT. Hold up. Is this a dumpster fire and a, and a war that we're in right now? We are fighting a war in the trenches by a dumpster fire. We're inside the dumpster fire. That's that's what it is. Wow. Sorry, should I say that differently? I don't no, know. No, I'm just asking. But yeah, join us. Join us. Warm your hands by the fire at Unsolicited VT and Twitter, right? Warm your, and, warm uh, your cockles. And if you don't have cockles, warm whatever the <laughs> other version of cockles is. And uh, until the next time, we'll... Uh, be there, keeping Vermont beautiful with all of its wonder and none of its trolls. Do you think uh, Joan Shannon would, would try to pass something about allowing our dumpster fire to be public, or are only homeowners allowed to have uh, fires? Like that?